You know, today as we continue, or as we actually conclude this series that we're doing on getting to know God, uh, where who is God for you, and looking at the different attributes of God, I want to talk to you today a little bit to just kind of conclude this about trust. Trust is kind of an interesting word in our society today. A lot of us don't do it very well. In fact, if I were to ask, how many people in your life do you absolutely trust? Could you lift up more than five fingers? In fact, how many of you guys are great trusters? Anybody great trusters? A lot of people they trust in life. You know, sometimes the world calls that gullible, right? So, so we're very sensitive about that and we're very wary who we trust. And you know, trust is a big deal when it comes to God. You know, I think part of why it makes it so hard in our world today is because, you know, lying has become kind of in vogue and it used to be kind of discouraged or at least people were held accountable, but now it, it happens seemingly all the time. And it's not just on TV that you see it. You see it in the workplace. You see it with your friends even. You, there's so many mixed motives and there's so many different agendas. It's hard, it's hard to trust that people are going to be honest with you or truthful with you or even care about your good in many ways. But I'm going to change the word trust just for a second, and I'm going to call it faith, because faith and trust are essentially the same thing. And I'm going to say that this worldly trust issue that we have kind of bleeds over with God. And a lot of the different things that we've learned about God and his attributes, even though we know them intellectually, it's been hard to actually trust that they're true for us. And so as we take a look at this whole trust thing, I'm going to ask you, do you trust God this morning? Do you trust what you read in scriptures, what he says to you is true? I don't know, maybe somebody prayed for something one time and they didn't get what they asked for. Seems to rock a few people. Maybe another prayed to win the lottery and they didn't win and they were really disappointed. I mean, I was really disappointed when I didn't win. Maybe they experienced a tragedy and they didn't understand. And they started asking, why God did you allow that? Why God are you allowing this? Maybe they were disappointed by someone who claimed to be a Christian. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was someone who represented God to them. But again, they were disappointed. I think all this kind of floats in, this this struggle that we have in trusting anyone, even God at times. Especially when he says stuff that we don't like. Especially when there's things that we don't understand. Especially when we're inconvenienced. So I'll just ask you a question this morning. How much can you trust somebody? I think it's an important question in our culture today because I think the answer to that, at least from the studies that have been done, goes along this line. You can trust a person as far as you know a person. And sometimes when we really get to know a person, we know that we can't trust them at all. But you trust them as far as you know them, not as you can throw them, but as far as you can know them. That's why we spent the last seven weeks taking a look at getting to know God because the more you know God, the easier it will be for you to trust him in the different areas that you struggle in life. But in order for you to trust somebody, three things have to be absolutely present. Because without exception, if these are not present, it's really hard to trust trust anybody. So this person that you're going to trust, first and foremost, must tell you the truth. I mean, obviously that's an obvious one, but we don't find that always, and so we struggle. This person must be fair and must do what's right. And so that just means as you're watching them deal with other people, that they're honest and trustworthy and somewhat moral and they do the things that you would expect to be done because if they don't do it with them you start wondering maybe they'll do that to you the person must be reliable and dependable you're going to have to develop a relationship of trust you need to know that they'll be there for you that they've got your back that you can count on them and when one of those is missing so goes our trust 
Interestingly, as we list those things, in Psalm 33, verse 4, the psalmist says that these characteristics are all really just attributes of God. It says this in verse 4, it says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. So today I want to take a look at this trust issue. I guess last week we talked about the sovereignty of God, and I love that one because it just says that God can do anything. He's awesome. He can do anything you can imagine. I love that because sometimes we put God in a box, and it's like breaking all those sides off, and it says we can trust him for anything and more than we could ever imagine. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. Today I want to take a look at something that might confuse you just a little bit for a moment, and I want to take a look at is there anything that God can't do? Because in Scripture, he's limited himself and said that I'm not going to ever do these things. I cannot do these things because they're against who I am. And so he says, first and foremost, that God cannot do wrong. Do you believe that to be true? The Bible says that he is just, that he always does right, that he always does what is fair, that he sees the beginning of time and the end of time, that he's had certain principles from the beginning because of part of who he is and he judges right and wrong. Do you believe that God cannot do wrong? Nothing scripture says that God cannot do is that he cannot lie. He always tells the truth. The Bible says that he is holy, that what he says is. And the third one is that God cannot break a promise. What he says he does, the Bible calls us his faithfulness all the way through. And if you learn to grasp these three characteristics of God, that God is holy, that he is just, that he is faithful, I promise you, you'll have no problem trusting him as you move forward. But again, just, I I love the Truth Project's line. Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? Do you believe that what he is, that what he says, is something you can trust? I think probably the greatest example of this faithfulness thing that God uses all the way through Scripture is the nation of Israel, right? I mean, over and over and over, he continually made promises to Israel. And as you go through Scripture, what you find is he continually answered those promises and fulfilled them in Scripture. So much so that Joshua says in Joshua 21 verse 45, he says, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel has failed. Everyone was fulfilled. And so not surprisingly to Israel, this idea of faithfulness was probably one of the most most important attributes to Israel because he had made so many promises and they wanted him to come through on these promises and so they wanted to trust him with everything that they had. It was one of the most important qualities to them that God would be faithful. That what he said he would do, that he would do, And to be fair, God made all kinds of promises to the nation of Israel. He promised Abraham a son, and he gave him a son. He promised the Israelites a land of their own, and he gave them the promised land. He made a promise of a Messiah and gave us Jesus. Different times he promised harvest or blessing or protection, deliverance from Egypt, and he let the people go. Restoration after captivity and the people in Babylon and Assyria and the various parts of of the world got to go back to Israel. And he came through every single time. In fact, all the way through the Old Testament, he made promises over and over and over again. And what you notice is God's track record. He never let one of those promises fall. He had 100% accuracy in fulfilling them. And so as you go through Scripture, what he has proven over and over is that he is reliable time after time after time. He is amazingly consistent. And I think that helps me at least understand the Israelites of today, right? And why they're so zealous for their land. God promised to them. And he gave it to them. And maybe not surprisingly, they're still there 4,000 years later. See, God is faithful and he never, ever breaks a promise. Again, it says in Psalm 145, verse 13, that the Lord is faithful to all his promises. And there's literally over 7,000 promises in the Bible. And they're like blank checks just just waiting to be written out and cashed. But then he says, you've got to do this. 
you got to trust me. And then we go back to that word again. And we go back to what that word means. Do we really believe that what we believe is really real? See, they're there for us to rely on. God wants us to believe and to trust so that he can bless us in extraordinary ways. And so I'm just going to ask, what does that mean for us today? And as you consider that, I'm actually going to give you four of God's promises, four examples that he gives us in Scripture that are always, always, always true, that you can rely on always, that are always dependable in every possible circumstance you can imagine. And one of the first ones I'm going to give you is, is this. I can depend on God to always forgive my sins. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we freely admit that we have sinned, we find him reliable and just and he forgives us and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. I want you to notice the words reliable and just. Those are two characteristics of God that, that guarantee our forgiveness. God says my forgiveness, too, is, is not based on who you guys are because we're pretty broken. I mean, not you guys. I'm always talking about the other services, right? But, but we're pretty broken, right? It's based on who God is. It's based on what Jesus Christ did when he died and he rose again. When he was able to take away our sins, pay for our sins once and for all. In this verse, the premise, there's always a premise too with God's commands or with God's promises, his blessings. There's always a, a, in every promise of God, there's a premise, there's a condition. And God just says this, if you will do this, admit the wrongs in your life. Confess to him your sins. Then the promise is that he promises to give us without fail if we admit these things is that God will forgive us. Now, now as you consider that promise, it's a pretty amazing thing because who's done the, all the heavy lifting with this? God has, right? He sent his son to, to suffer and to die for us, to rise again from the, from, from the cross, for, to rise again from the grave, I'm sorry. And, and he's done all this powerful, amazing things. He's suffered the consequence that we deserve to, to, to suffer. And all he asks us to do is this. Just say sorry when you go against me. I'm not even expecting that you'll never do anything wrong. Just, just admit when you go astray. Admit what we both know, that it's wrong, that it's evil. Confess it and say, God, forgive me. And then he says, every time, if you do that, I'll say you're forgiven. I'll wash you and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow, he says. Now, as you think about that, does this verse then say anything about working for your forgiveness? No. Yet it's in our nature to try to earn our forgiveness from God. And you'll recognize some of these, these sayings because sometimes we try to bargain with God and we'll say stuff like this. If you'll just forgive me this one time, I'll never ever do it again. We try to bribe God and we say stuff like this. If you'll just forgive me, I'll tithe 20% this time. I'll read through the Bible five times this year. I'll do whatever you want. Or we try to bargain with God and we try to beg and we say, God, we're so, so sorry. Please forgive me. As if we need to somehow convince God to forgive us to do something he's already promised to do. But the promise says you don't need to bargain, you don't need to bribe, you don't need to beg. You just have to admit your sins before God to confess them and say, God, I'm so sorry. And because of Jesus, he says, I'll forgive. And I will always be faithful to that. You cannot out the grace of God. And so when you cross him, when you've gone astray, when you are overwhelmed with your sin, you just come to him and 100% of the time, he's going to say, I love you. I forgive you. He said, no more. So it's one of the things that we can always know is true. Here's another one. 
I can depend on God to give me guidance 100% of the time. When I don't know what to do, he has promised to give me guidance. In Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know, which we do all the time, but remember the Lord in everything that you do, and he will show you the right way. Now, there's a premise with this one, too, to this promise. He will show you the right way. That's the promise. Now, here's the premise. If you trust in me, again, we're coming back to that word. If God asks you to go right, do you go right? And it's not always as easy as it seems, right? It was at the, 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 the nation of Israel had just gotten to, actually, they were just exiled to Babylon. They were struggling through just the Babylonians ravaging the city. And yet there's a group of people that were left, the poorest of the poor. Jeremiah the prophet was there. And these people, they were freaking out and they were afraid that, you know, everything, they had just killed one of the leaders that they had set up and, and, and they were afraid that Babylon was going to come and just finish them off. And so they go to Jeremiah, the prophet of the Lord, and they say, ask God what we should do, if we should go to Egypt or what, you know? And God delayed a little bit, and then he came back to Jeremiah, and he says, I just want you to stay put. I'll, I'll take care of you. Just, just trust me. Just stay where you are. I'll take care of you. But the people were afraid, and they were freaking out. And so when Jeremiah came back and says, we, God just wants us to stay put. He's got us. He's got it. Everything's going to be fine. They said, uh-uh. And they forced Jeremiah and everybody else to go to Egypt where they perished. You see, it's easy to follow God when he says the things that we want to hear. But trust always involves trusting that the person that's asking to do whatever is in your best interest. Is for your blessing. Will you trust him is the question. I think many times in life you'll be facing this question. What am I going to do? It may be a big crisis. It could be a minor crisis. But you'll ask yourself, what am I going to do? And when you have a question like that and you're facing a need or you need some guidance, what do you look to? Who do you look to? And I ask that because it's almost embarrassing or even comical, some of the things that people will turn to for guidance instead of God. I know people that will turn to fortune cookies, reading tea leaves, horoscopes, astrology, Ricky, calling up some talk show hosts. That's my favorite. You get the worst advice talking to some of those guys. But the Bible says that there's only one completely reliable source of guidance, and that's God. He's the only one who can see and knows the future right now. He has that perspective. He can help us out. And he talks to us through his word. The Bible, God talks about the, the, the word of God as a living word, one that he continually speaks wisdom, guidance, forgiveness, comfort, strength, where he continues to send his spirit out every time we open up the pages. And what you do is you begin to get more and more acquainted with God's word is you begin to find out that God's word is pretty clearly laid out when it comes to his will. That he shared stuff that's just right and he shares stuff that's just wrong and he gives us guidance and perspective as we walk through life. There's so much there and the more we get to know it, these principles and truths, the more we see that God's word is a huge map, roadmap for life. It's actually pretty amazing. But that's where he promises to talk to us and give us guidance, and he does it every single time. Here's another one we can always count on. We can always depend on God to settle the score. Maybe you don't always think of that, right? But when you read a newspaper, do you ever feel like that's just not fair? You read about a criminal who does all sorts of things and gets off scot-free on a technicality. We've seen that in politics probably my whole life. We've seen it in all sorts of situations in business. Or you read about a scandal where somebody has been dishonest and he's prospering and he skips the states with millions of dollars and you're working hard and barely making it 
And again, you think this is not fair. My response to that is simply this. You're absolutely right. Life is not fair. In fact, this may surprise you too, but God never promises that life should be fair. I know we grew up in America and we just think that that's the way it is, but God just says, look around. Life isn't fair. In fact, because we live in an imperfect world, because there's sin in this world, because people do the wrong things, because innocent people get hurt, life isn't fair. And that's why one day God says he's going to settle the score. Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. Because there is an eternal life and there is an eternal death. And one day, there's going to be a judgment time. And God is going to clear the slates and he's going to settle the scores. But it's hard sometimes, I think, in the in-between to be patient, to not want to get even. And yet in Romans 12, 19, Paul says, Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for he has said he will repay those who deserve it. And so he's just saying, don't try to get even. <laughs> don't try to avenge yourself. It never really works out the way we have in our mind anyway, does it? Not that you guys would know, but it never quite works out. He says, let instead God do it. He will repay those who deserve it. And notice that one day God is going to settle the score. And what, what's implicit in that? Do you ever think through that? It means that God is very much aware of what people are doing to you. The wrongs that they've committed against you. The plans or the schemes that they have against you. When you're put down, when you're hurt, when you're stabbed in the back, when you're maligned, when people spread rumors about you that just aren't true, how do you respond to that? God says, let me handle it. Let me settle the score because I am very much aware of what everybody does to you. If you've been hurt in the past, I need you to hear that God understands and he knows and he sees and he will get even. That's why the Bible promises that we will reap what we sow. If people hurt you and malign you, they will reap what they sow. And 99% of the time that happens in this life, and if you're around long enough and you give stuff to God long enough, you're just amazed at his ability to kind of get even or right wrongs or have people have those aha moments in life. But it happens 100% of the time before the judgment seat of God. But again, to experience this blessing of letting God do it instead of continually complicating our life, we've got to trust him with this. We need to trust his faithfulness here to let him settle the score. I think maybe the greatest example of this is for me has always been Jesus, right? In 1 Peter 2, verse 23, it says this, Jesus never answered back when insulted. He's the savior of the world. He had more power than anybody. He could have crushed them just with his wisdom. And we saw that when he was debating the Pharisees. But it says here, he never answered back when insulted. When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He could call down the heavenly host of angels and crushed everybody, but he didn't. He left his case into the hands of God who always judges fairly. That's God's justice. He judges fairly. Jesus says, I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to leave that into the hands of God. Because God is faithful to settle the score. And I'm going to give you one last one to think about today. I can depend on God to reward my generosity. In Luke 6, verse 38, it says, Give and it will be given to you. For the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this isn't positive thinking here. It's not some kind of prosperity doctrine that you see on TV. Jesus is saying this, not, not some TV evangelist. So Jesus said, give it will be given to you. And because Jesus doesn't lie, I can be confident that when I'm generous, God will reward my generosity. And again, 99% of the time, this takes place on this side of heaven. 
and 100% time of the time it takes place in heaven. The amazing thing is that there's more promises in the Bible related to giving than any other topic. So much so that I'd say this, if you're not tithing 10%, you're just hurting yourself. You're denying yourself his blessing, and I don't get it. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, Honor the Lord with the first part of your income right off the top. I give it back to him in gratitude for what he's done, in faithfulness and in thanksgiving for the present. But you've got to be thankful for those things, right? And in faith, trust for the future. It says he will bless your life. And it's not just in the area of money. I, every, every week, somebody in our congregation types up all these words. Mostly, they get them just awesome, awesomely right, right? And that's a lot of work, and that's a lot of effort. And I'd give you their name, but when it doesn't go right, I, I don't want you talking to them, so I'm not going to. But the reality is, they're storing up treasures in heaven by their gifts, by helping us worship the way they do every single week, by the time they put into making this happen. And this is just one of many things that the people do at this church that's extraordinary. The communion that's up behind me every single week. People put hours and hours of time into this place to help us worship our king without any hindrance, without any thing that messes that up. Sometimes we get it imperfect, but most of the time, right? It's an awesome thing. He says he will bless your life. And all of us, we want that blessing, whether it be financial, whether it be storing up treasures in heaven or, or, all, or whatever it might be. But he's just saying you cannot outgive God. When you give your life away, your time away, your, your energy away, your money away, when you're generous in giving to others, God says, I'm not going to let me be indebted to you. The Bible says in Proverbs that he who gives to the poor is like lending to the Lord and he repays. In Proverbs 22, again, it says, the generous man will himself be blessed that I can be faithful. Counting on Jesus, counting on our Lord to reward our generosity. As we've been faithful to God, he has been faithful to us and blessed us abundantly, the scriptures say. And I promise you, God is faithful, but it's a trust thing. He keeps his promises. When he says, given it will be given to you, he's not kidding. And you can count on it. But will we trust it? The fact is, there are hundreds and hundreds of promises in the Bible. And this last one's a little bit different than the first three. The first three were like, right on, God, you know, just help us trust you more. And this last one, we're like, whoa. And yet, the promises are still found in Scripture. The, the blessing's really real. It's a matter of trust. And again, it's just four of hundreds of promises that God makes in his word. And again, they're all there for the claiming. I picked four today, but again, there's hundreds of promises that we could cling to, but they're not, hear me say this, not for everyone. They're only those that have a relate, for those that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, Paul writes, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Christ is the key to the promises of God. Not only does he forgive, that's one of the promises we've gone over, but so many of these are attached to him and trust in him. And it's a relationship with him that unlocks all these promises. And here we say this, if you do not have a relationship with Christ, you cannot claim these promises. If Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, you are not forgiven. You still are in your sin. Jesus died so that we might be forgiven if we'll trust in him. He does not promise to give blessing. He does not promise to give strength for those who reject him. But Paul says, they are always yes in Christ. And so that's the starting point. So I want to ask you again this question I started with today. Can, 
Can you trust anybody? Or maybe more specifically to narrow it down, can God be trusted? Can I trust him with more and more in my life because we've struggled? If the answer is yes, which is the right answer, by the way, it will be the smartest and wisest answer you've ever given in your life to say, I'm going to trust Jesus with more. Because God is holy, he will never lie to me. Because God is just, he will always do what's right and fair. Because he is faithful, he never will break a promise. And then he says, I give you all these things because I love you. I give you all these things through Jesus who loves you. I give you all these things so that you will be with me forever in heaven. Trust in me, he cries. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. God, we love you so much, and we just thank you for this opportunity to walk through different attributes about you, to get to know you better. And as we consider this last one on trust, Lord, on your faithfulness, it, it always comes down to this, this idea of trust in our life. We like to be in control. We, we like to have a part in the direction of our lives, of situations. And yet, Father, your call to us always is just so simple. Your call to us is just to say, trust me. Trust me and, and just confess to me what we both already know, that you, you did something wrong. Confess it to me and I'll say, I forgive you. Confess to me that you don't know what to do right now or the way you're going is destructive and you know that and you need to find a different answer. And trust me and I'll, I'll show you the right way. Trust me to settle your scores. Trust me for financial blessing. Trust me to store up treasures in heaven for you. Trust that I'm there. Trust that I'm working all things for your good. Trust that I'm available to you always and hear every one of your prayers that I see, that I know. Trust me, I will give you peace, he says. Father, we pray, increase our trust in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.